we're going to talk about how to oh, how do I how do I keep it together when I'm just going to explode? Do you guys know that feeling where you are just full of irritation and aggravation and it, you all can feel it in your body. It's like bubbling up like a volcano. You've been here before, you know what's likely going to happen. You're going to lose it on your kids. You're going to yell and you're going to regret it. But there's something that comes over you and you can't seem to keep it under wraps. Now you might explode. You might retreat and run away from it all and, you know, lock yourself in your bedroom wondering if maybe you're neglecting your kids in some ways. So there are strong emotions. There's a lot of judgment, a lot of negative self-talk, and uh, it feels very out of control. It feels very out of control. And it is in a total contrast to what your vision is, your parenting vision. You want to be present and attentive, and you want to be able to regulate those big emotions, those very familiar emotions. You want to be able to regulate it. You want to keep it in check. And so today I want to talk to you about, um, give you five tips how to um, bring it down a notch, how to keep it, keep your cool even when you're about to explode. Now I shared in the community, if you're listening to this recording on the podcast, come into the motherhood in the making community, go to libalurie.com slash join, and you can register to get the link to join and check out the post. Uh, scroll through um, and check out the post. There's an image there of a woman pulling at her hair like she's like she's freaking out. And there I tell a story um, the other day and I'll give you a, a synopsis of it for those who know the story, but just to give you some context here. It's the first day of summer and I'm feeling really pumped. I'm feeling really excited. And so I go and I pick my kids up from camp. I bring them home. I announce to all my kids, we're gonna go out. Let's celebrate, let's do something fun. One kid needed a backpack, so I was like, let's just go out to the shops together. And of course, they're totally uninterested because what's fun about going to the shops? So I throw in an ice cream offer. We're going to go get ice cream, and they explode in a roar of excitement, and it's going to be amazing, and everyone's excited. And I'm thinking, yeah, let's get into the car. This is going to be great. It's going to go smoothly. It's going to go so well that we're going to kick off the summer with a bang. But before I know it, I'm standing in my living room, and I'm telling them, let's go. Let's get into the car, guys. And it's like herding cats. This one is running upstairs, this one is running outside, and that one's coming through the front door. And then they start, they are ignoring me and they are doing who knows what. No one's getting to the car. Then they start, you know, the back talk starts and the and they start getting on each other's nerves. And I'm thinking, oh my God, is this how we're starting the summer? Is this a foreshadow for my summer? And I'm starting to feel it. I'm starting to feel it bubble up and boil up, that this is not going the way that I planned. This is not what I wanted. And, oh, <laughs> and I feel it quite strongly. I continue to push them out into the car. I keep it under wraps. I get them into the car. Come on guys, get your water bottles, get into the car, let's go. Don't forget your water bottles. I fill up my water bottle, I head to the car. I get them into the car. They fight and argue over the seats and the buckles and they finally get settled. And I'm pulling out of the driveway and I don't remember exactly, but at some point my water bottle makes its way to the back seat. And I look up in the rear view mirror and I see a kid guzzling on my water bottle and I lose it. I lose it like I'm just like my mom kind of lose it. Like, oh, I know that I know this voice kind of lose it. And I rip into them. 
And I'm not proud of it because who is? None of, none of us are proud of it. And we're so actually ashamed of it that we don't really talk about it. And so we suffer silently, but that's not how this community works. In the mother and the making community, we come and we talk openly, honestly, vulnerably about our challenges, the real challenges. Um, and when I say real, I mean the really hard ones, the ones that are scary to talk about. All challenges are real, you know? <laughs> they're, they're all real. Keeping your two-year-old in bed, that's a real challenge, you know? Getting your kid to do their homework, that's a real challenge. So not to dismiss that challenge, but to highlight all those challenges we have that we don't want to talk about because of uh, the shame. So here we get to talk about it in the motherhood and the making community, and I'll go first. Uh, so I lose it on my kids, and I'm not really very proud of myself and I'm feeling lost and confused and out of control and so sad. I feel so sad because I know that I am behaving in a way that I was behaved towards and I know I know what it was like. I remember what it was like and I'm just like I cannot believe that I've come to you know I'm in I'm in such a primitive state. And so I'm reminded of some tools that I that I've used to help me to really get to the bottom of it. Because ultimately, that's what we want to do. We want to, we want to, we need to pause and we need to reflect. We need to get to the bottom of this. What's, what's this really about for you, Liba? Like, what's at the root of this? What is the unconscious motivation for your behavior? I don't know. But what I do know is that I am losing it and I don't like that. And something's got to change. So we're going to start there. We're going to start with the first step. And I'm going to share with you five things that you can do. Okay, so here's the first thing that you're going to do. The first thing you're going to do is you're just going to notice that it's happening, right? You're going to acknowledge that it's happening. I'm in the car and I'm not, you know, I, I could keep going and fighting and, you know, and keep driving down the point and I'm justified and I'm right and you're wrong. I could totally do that. And it would in some ways feel satisfying because I'm releasing the valve and letting out the pressure, but that's not really what I want to do. So instead, I stop and I pause and I pay attention and I think, oh no, it's happening again. And I notice how uncomfortable I feel. If I'm not yelling, if I'm not, you know, giving it to my kids and I stop and you can do this as an experiment, what am I feeling? Like, what do I, what, what, what comes up for me? Like, what if I wasn't doing that? What if I wasn't losing my shit? Because what, what's happening is that I'm losing it because it gives me a sense of control in a situation where I don't feel like I'm in control. Not only do I not feel like I'm in control in this interaction with my kids, but I feel there's a deeper sense of futility. I'm experiencing a deeper sense of futility that I'm not in control in a much deeper, deeper way. And that's why I'm reverting to such primitive reactions, reactions that I learned in, at a very, very young age when my mind was still in a primitive state. So you wanna sit with that discomfort. You wanna just pay attention to it. You want to do nothing. So I know it sounds counterintuitive, but you stop doing it just to see what happens. And you bring your attention away from your children doing bad things that piss you off and onto yourself. Now, inevitably, when you turn onto yourself and pay attention, you're going to judge yourself terribly you're going to be very critical of yourself. You're going to even get mean about it. You're going to look at yourself. You're going to be in that discomfort and you're going to, and you're going to say to yourself, you're a mess. Look at you. Look how you're behaving. You're just like your mother. You're hurting your children. You're the worst. 
These are the messages you're gonna start to hear. So I'm telling you this so that you know to pay attention for them, look for them. Don't listen to them, look for them. Meaning don't believe them. They're not true, they're not real, they're familiar. They are um, not only familiar because you've been telling them to yourself for so long, but you've heard them before from others. When you have been uncomfortable, you have been told that that's not okay. And so now that you're paying attention to your discomfort, you're telling yourself that it's not okay, that there's something wrong with you, that you're not good enough, or that you're too much. You're too much. Um, I was speaking with a client yesterday, and this is what she was, this is what she describes as her experience. And I was able to reflect back to her, and we can really get clear about this message that she tells herself is that, or I'm telling myself that I'm too much, or I'm telling myself that I'm not good enough. And what happens is I take that message and I apply it to other people. So if I'm not applying it to myself, I'm applying it to other people because those are the judgments that I've, um, that I've taken from my experience growing up. And now that's how I make sense of the world. So something's not going right, something's uncomfortable. Well, it must be that you're too much or it must be that someone else is letting you down. In an ideal world, we give our kids the message that when they're uncomfortable, it's okay. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. It's the human condition to feel uncomfortable. Let me, um, let me support you in this. And we can talk about that a little bit later about how we offer our kids support in spite of this very strong inner judgment, this inner critic that doesn't just berate you know, others, but we also internalize it, especially when we're having a hard time, especially when I'm having a hard time. So instead of judgment, I want, instead of listening to the judgment, I want to look for it. I want to just listen for it. What, what does it say? What does it say to me? What are those, what are those uh, inner critics saying to me? I want to breathe. I want to take a breath. This is the third step is to just take a breath. Pay attention to that breath. That helps you regulate as well. Uh, in addition to humming, humming. If you're not driving like I was, you might close your eyes. And what you're really doing is exercising your ability to pay attention and bring your attention inwards um, because you are actually feeling under threat. Whatever's going on unconsciously under the surface for me feels very threatening. And it is. And I understand it now. And I understand why it's so threatening. It's almost like there's a part of me that has traveled to a different time and place. And it's like I'm there and I'm re-experiencing it and I'm reacting to it. And so I want to regulate that. I want to give myself some comfort. I want to breathe. I want to hum, give myself some words of compassion. I want to tell myself, hey, you see, hear those judgments? They're not true. They're not real. It's just what you've been hearing all of your life. So that's your go-to to make sense of the chaos because you're just in chaos. This discomfort you're feeling, that's the feeling of chaos. That's the feeling of being internally disorganized, not feeling in control. And so we self-soothe, we give ourselves permission to feel dysregulated and give yourself an inner hug. I know it sounds so cliche, I wanna like, oh. <laughs> but it's important to let yourself know you're having a hard time. This is hard, this is a lot, this is overwhelming, this is challenging, this is difficult. I have another client who says to me, nobody understands how hard it is for my kids. No, how hard it is for me with my kids. Nobody understands. And so she feels so alone in it. It's like she would like someone else to say to her, this is really hard. This is really hard. This is really hard. 
Interestingly enough, when she does hear it from other people, she cannot receive it. She not, cannot receive the soothing from other people because she's not familiar with soothing. So when I talk about self-soothing, I don't want you to think that it's this very quick fix. Sometimes we need to practice self-soothing. Being soothed, whether it's by the self or another, may be unfamiliar to you. I didn't have anyone soothing me. And what that looks, what that means and how, how that translates into your adult psychology is that <clears throat> one is I don't seek it. I don't seek to be soothed. I withdraw inward. I take care of myself. Does anybody else do that? You take care of yourself. I withdraw inward. When I am offered soothing comfort, I actually misperceive it as judgment or you don't get me or um, I dismiss it. It doesn't penetrate. Things have changed for me a lot since practicing what I preach. And so it's much different for me. Now I seek soothing. Now I will go and I'll share. I will share with other people. And that's actually the fifth step is sharing your struggles. And this is what the motherhood in the making community is all about. Sharing is an act of curiosity, in my opinion. When I share with you, I'm curious about two things. I'm curious about really understanding what's going on for me. And that's why I'm sharing it because I wanna make sense of it. I'm also curious about what your reaction will be. I'd like, it's like a, an experiment. What happens when I let someone else know that I'm struggling? What happens when I seek comfort? Because that is the natural order of events here when it comes to regaining an equilibrium in our distress. We seek comfort, we seek proximity. If your early experiences demonstrated or taught you that seeking comfort would result in shame, um, neglect, um, dismissal, rejection, then you're not going to seek comfort. Now, this brings us to attachment with everyone's an expert in. <laughs> I say that facetiously, forgive me, um, because I think it's misunderstood. I think attachment is, is highly misunderstood and um, it's unfortunate because what it means is that um, the opportunity to get curious about your own attachment, to get curious about your experience in close, intimate bonds is lost. But it's necessary. It's necessary for me to get curious about that. And I can start simply by sharing with other people and getting curious about what's that, what is that like? What is it like to let other people know about what's happening for me and to seek their support in that they help me organize it? Now, of course, you wouldn't just go speak to anybody, right? You wouldn't speak to anybody. You would be thoughtful about who you speak to and you would try it out and maybe discover, you know, that person who I love so much, they're not particularly emotionally comforting. I still love them, but they're not a comfort to me. I still value them, but they're not a comfort to me. So I'm not going to turn to them, but you will find your people. So get curious about who those people are. Get curious about what's going on for you. Get curious about what it's like to share your struggles with other people. So a quick recap of the five things to do. The first is to acknowledge that this is not going right. Uh, and as soon as you do, your attention goes to the fact that it's not going right. Take a breath, take a breath. And not because you're trying to calm down. And I'll often say to my kids, take a breath. The fear doesn't have to stop, but breathe. 
breathe with the fear. So this regulation doesn't have to go away. You're not trying to make it go away. You're not trying to shove it down. In fact, you're giving yourself permission to know that you're dysregulated, to know how irritable you are, to know how out of control you feel, and to simply breathe with it. And when we breathe, we expand our body, we make space for it, and we can pay attention to it. When we pay attention to it, inevitably, the judgment starts to spill in. So pay attention to that. Notice the pushback. Notice your brain telling you that you are doing something wrong, that you are bad, that you are failing, that you're not good enough, that all those judgments, pay attention to them, listen to them. What are they telling you? You don't need to answer them or change them or refute them. You're not on trial here. We're just getting curious about what's going on. And we're giving ourselves an opportunity to number four, self-soothe. This is hard. This is hard. And there's nothing I can do about it necessarily. I can self-soothe. Now, I know the impulse is to do something. Here, we're giving ourselves the opportunity to not do anything, but to bring our attention inward, sitting with the discomfort, taking a breath, suspending the judgment, soothing the dysregulation, and getting curious about what's going on. What's this really about for me? And seeking, seeking comfort with the curiosity. We seek support. Can you help me organize this? I'm trying to make sense of this. Now, I um, had said to you guys that I would tell you how the story ends in the post in the Motherhood in the Making community. I invited you to this Facebook Live and, and, um, and uh, let you know. I would let you know how the story ends. So how the story ends is that I feel very irritable for a very long time. So I don't want you to think that these steps are going to just oof, magically take away the irritability and the aggravation and the stress and the resistance. It doesn't go away. It gives us, um, it helps us to be with what is here, not push it away, but to be with it in a way where I am, can still maintain um, a, separate, a separation between me and my kids so I don't dump it out on my kids, so I don't take it out on them. And so I'm practicing these five steps and we, you know, I, we, just, we just pulled out guys from my driveway. You know, the story begins in my driveway and I take them for ice cream and I bring them back and all the while I am not a happy camper. I don't wanna be here, I'm irritable, I'm aggravated. And as I pay attention to it, I, I start to recognize that this is actually a very old experience. I've been here before. I have felt this futility before. Now I share it with myself. I share it in the group, right? I share it with my husband. I talk to friends about it. And I come to realize that, in fact, the first day of summer is not a great day for me. And this is actually, the defense is called a reaction formation. It's when you really don't like somebody, but you're so nice to them. <laughs> And not in a fake way. You genuinely are nice to them, even though you don't like them. That's called a reaction formation. That's a way of defending ourselves against knowing and the anxiety that arises when we know that I don't like this person. In my case, it's the anxiety that arises when I know that I don't like summer holidays. I dread summer holidays. I don't want to be in summer holidays. Summer holidays for me is a time of deep loneliness. When I'm a kid, my friends all go to summer camp. They all go to sleepaway camp and I don't because I'm, I'm just not into it. I don't wanna be far from home. I don't wanna stress my mother out with the financial burden of summer camp. So I stay home. 
and I go to day camp, which is fun, I guess, but I don't have, you know, lifelong friends there. They're, you know, they're friends that come and go and I'm lonely and I get home at the end of the day and my mom's at work and I make myself an ice cream cone and I sit in front of the TV and I'm bored and I'm lonely. And my birthday rolls around on the 4th of July, right at the beginning of summer. And I wake up a little later. And as I get older, I get up a little later and there's a birthday card on the table for me. Love mom. And that's it. And it's a sad day for me. And I know it's coming every year. I know it's coming. And so summer holidays are actually a really sad time for me. I can say this now with you. I can, I can hold it. But over the past few days, I've been feeling very, very low, very sad about it, very down. And it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable at all. And we can practice these five steps um, as we uncover the, the deeper um, motivation here. So not only are these five steps helpful in the moment of the chaos, but they're also helpful to open the door and let us explore what's going on. And I've spoken about this, about the five-step framework, pause, reflect, connect, respond, repair. We use these five steps not only in the moment to figure, help us figure out what we're doing, but we follow these steps to help us rebuild a relationship with ourselves and with our children so that we can enjoy a closeness and intimacy with our kids that perhaps we did not experience in our early childhood experiences. So I sit with the discomfort of knowing how sad it is to be alone in the summer. And I think back to that little girl and I, and I pay attention with her and I give her permission to see how hard it is and to know how hard it is and to feel the challenge. And she wants to push me away and she wants to um, judge herself. You know, same, same story, you're too much, right? You're too much, you're so intense, everything's so big, you know, everything's so intense for you. I hear that voice in my head, even now, I hear in my voice, in my head in the voices of my community, my audience. Um, oh my gosh, the voice says to me, God, you're making such a big deal out of this. You're making such a big deal out of this. Now I'll tell you the beauty of paying attention to that voice because as soon as I give it voice, as soon as I listen to it and hear it and pay attention to it, I know that it's wrong. I know that it's wrong. I know that there are other women, mothers, parents, dads too, like me, who really uh, wrestle with these present day experiences with their kids because of their unconscious um, injuries from their early childhood experiences. Now that doesn't mean, here's another judgment. Are you telling me my parents are bad? No, I'm not. <laughs> Good people. We're not judging. We're not, no one is on trial here. Um, It's not about being good or bad. It's about paying attention to my experience and knowing what's going on for me. It's not about blaming. It's not about shaming. It's about knowing what's going on for me and self-soothing and giving myself permission. The other day I walked into the McCullough, the corner store and passed a, a, a woman who I haven't seen for a while. She's a young mom and um, she's expecting her third. What? <laughs> she's like, what? And um, she said, how are you doing? I said, well, you know, I'm hanging in there. Just how's your summer going? And of course, everyone's like, oh, summer's great. Oh, summer holidays, woohoo, cool. yeah. And no, I, I said to her, it's actually, it's a struggle for me. And this is what I talk about, about sharing and getting curious about what happens when I share 
what happens when I let people know that I'm, that I'm having a hard time because it's reminding, it's bringing it back to a painful time in my life. And it's an opportunity while it's an opportunity to pay attention. It's not easy. It's not easy to know about these parts of ourselves. There's a reason that we shove them down and we split off from them and put them away because knowing about them is so scary because knowing about it is returning to that place where I'm alone, I'm left, I'm sad, and there's no one to turn to. There's really no one to turn to, and that's a hard place to be in. And so I didn't pay attention then, but now I have the chance, and the more I pay attention, and the more I, um, not only pay attention to the emotional experience, but the judgment, the cognitive, um, um, I want to call it fallout, like the cognitive responses in my mind. And I give myself permission to know about this and I share it, the easier it gets. And it feels like a fog is lifted and I'm more and more accepting of the present moment because grief is like that. Grief lasts a really long time. If we don't process it, it lasts a really long time and it sits with us and it bubbles up in the moment when you want to have a good time and take your kids for ice cream. There it is, right in your face. So, <laughs> um, raining on the parade. So those are my thoughts for you, ladies. It's not your regular parenting, you know, um, advice, but I think that it is important. I think it's important that we pay attention to ourselves and our inner experiences in the moment, not to keep ourselves regulated, but also um, in moments of calm not just in the chaos, but in moments of calm to get curious about what's going on for us. So I see now that there are some comments down here. Uh, forgive me, I didn't see them. Neely says that this resonated so much. Thanks, Neely. Um, yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's real. It's, a, it's real for, ever, for all of us. How do you self-soothe, Daniela asks. Like, realistically, how do you stop yourself in the moment and connect yourself when you're screaming inside and out? Like, I hear you. Like, I'm screaming on the inside and I'm screaming on the outside. This was literally me yesterday. I hate summer. Daniela hates summer. Now, and I, and, and I love that Daniela names it. I hate summer. I'm lonely and mean and I'm drained. Man, I wish I knew how to do all you suggest. I'm sending you hugs. Um, it's an, I was like, you're sending me hugs. Um, my suspicion, Daniela, and you let me know if this resonates for you. But I wonder if maybe when you are struggling, you are, something happens and you put it um, and you are, Something happens when many of us struggle and we're having a hard time and we're feeling this, um, um, we're feeling this very challenging, we're in these challenging experiences. Daniela wants to know, how do I self-soothe? And then she sends me hugs. And I'm thinking, what about you, Daniela? What about you? And I think, how do you self-soothe? I think it's challenging if I'm always giving my, if I'm always giving my hugs away. And I'm wondering about hug, the hugs for myself. And we're talking about the proverbial hugs, not literally hugging yourself, though you should know that actually hugging yourself is self-soothing. It's the, it's the swaddling. It's the physical touch. It's bringing attention to my body. 
letting myself know that and this is answering your question practically, like letting myself know that I'm dysregulated, that I am experiencing strong emotions in my body. That's where emotions lie. And that um, they're not quite connected cognitively. My brain doesn't really know that it's safe to feel these emotions. So I'm going to soothe myself physically, hug myself. You can step away. Um, and, and I think talking about it, Danielle, is really important. And I think that there is likely something deeper going on for you. There is something about um, the loneliness um, that is important, that I'm so lonely. I think that's important. And I think it's important to explore and get curious about. Um, because I think that's real for you. And I think for many of us, we know we get to the point where we know how hard it is and we know um, that we're not okay with it and we're almost desperate for something else. But the idea of reaching out for help is just too challenging. Reaching out for support is just too challenging. And this is when I encourage you to share in the motherhood in the making community, speak to friends, uh, reach out to me. Uh, maybe, um, you, know, I'm, you know, I have Danielle in mind, but maybe you're listening to this. Maybe you need more support to get down to the bottom of it. This, um, uh, this is something that comes up for a lot of us. Neely says, I had loneliness in summer too. Neely's also remembers that when she's a child, she's also alone. Now I know, I know Neely's an only child. Um, I've known Neely for years um, and I know that she's an only child. And, um, you know, that's very real. Even if you're not an only child, I was the third of, you know, I'm a third of three kids. Like loneliness is real for all of us. It's real for all of us. Um, Neely says, I think I try to fill that void in the summer with my kids by making it extra fun. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Let's go get ice cream so that I don't have to feel so lonely. And what I'm suggesting here is actually we give ourselves permission to feel really lonely. Um, another mom in the group was saying, asked the question. She asked the question, how do I, how do I make this time a time of real connection for my kids? Especially considering the year that I've had, her child was in treatment for leukemia and corona and she had a baby i mean it was a hell of a year for this mom and you can come into the mother in the making community and you can scroll through and you can see the posts they're they're public in the, in the community and i asked her in the th comments i asked her you know i wonder if maybe um i wonder if maybe it's so difficult to give to your kids and to know how to connect your kids because you're still recovering from this year and she said, yeah, well, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't do it now because the kids need me. And my heart broke in that moment. My heart broke. And because I know that what's happening is that we constantly sacrifice ourselves. And when I say ourselves, I mean ourself, capital S self. We sacrifice our, our experiences, our inner world for the sake of others. And this isn't new. This isn't new. This is something that we have um, adapted to do in order to uh, tolerate the loneliness, to tolerate that sadness, to tolerate the isolation, to tolerate the pain and injury of being on your own when all you want is to closeness and proximity. So I'd love to hear your takeaways. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for joining me, Tova and Neely. Uh, Daniela, thank you. 
Um, and Neely, thanks for sharing. Thank you, Daniela, for sharing. Uh, come on into the comments and check out uh, the thread here um, and what uh, everyone is saying. Use the comments as a place to share, ladies. This is the place where we can talk about how hard it is. And even if it doesn't make sense to you, even if it doesn't make sense to you and you just know that it's really hard and you'd like to get curious and experiment with sharing, uh, this is a safe place. Um, you don't know that until you try. Uh, so give it a try and, um, and let me know if this feels safe to you, <laughs> if it turns out to feel safe to you, like, hey, actually that turned out well. And, and even pay attention to what you expect to happen because that's very telling. If I share it, this is what I expect to happen. Even if I don't, even though I know it's not really gonna happen, this is my automatic expectation. Pay attention to that because that can be very telling in light of our inner uh, critic, the messages that we tell ourselves, those automatic judgments that are really trying to keep us safe uh, from pain and of, of emotional injury, but they don't serve us anymore. They're really getting in the way. So let's just pay attention. That's what the pause is all about. And, um, if you have questions, let me know in the comments below. I'd love to hear what your takeaways are. And uh, thanks for being a part of this community. Thank you um, for everything that you do. And uh, I'll see you guys uh, in the community. I'll see you on the flip side. Have a great day, everyone. Bye for now.